Overworked, a podcast. Bold storytelling. Balanced lives. Brighter futures. Hi, everyone. It's Moss Me Again with Challen, Caitlin, and Jill. And today, we are bringing back Topeka Mystery from Anumi. Anumi is a global company that specializes in change management consulting, coaching, and energy healing. I've personally been friends with Topeka for over a decade, and her intuition, guidance, and soft-spoken skills have helped me a great deal. She was also a guest in one of our previous episodes where we talked about boundaries and overcoming fear. So definitely go back and listen to that if you haven't already, because I have a feeling this conversation is going to build on that. Um, Today, we're going to talk about change, our openness to it um, or resistance to it. Um, How do we know if we need change? And do we really need to bring along other people in our journey? I've personally gone through a lot of change this year and have freaked out about it as everyone on this podcast knows, you know, from selling a home to buying a new home to moving into a new neighborhood, new friendships. There's, you know, a lot of change going on. And Challen, you've obviously had a huge change yourself. Yeah. Talk about um, just really grabbing the bull by the horns here. Um, <laughs> 2020, I got married, bought a house, moved from Illinois to Colorado and got pregnant. Um, So 2021, I had my little baby girl. You guys all know that. I talk about her all the time. Um, But yeah, change is the name of the game for me (laughs) lately. Um, Thank you, Moss. Um, So I think what I've learned about change is when I was pregnant, I was very seriously determined to have my life um, with work totally separate from my life with my family and my little baby girl. And now, you know, so I went back to work two months ago and I have completely meshed my worlds back together. (laughs) We now are caring for our little one in our house due to COVID and just a lot of other things. You know, when had you asked me six months ago how this new phase would look, I would have said black and white, totally separate. I don't want to mix my worlds. And now they are so blended. And I have to say to your point, Moss, I would have resisted this notion. And now that I'm living it, it is amazing. I love that I can be in a work meeting and then come out and see my little baby girl smiling and rolling for the first time. And then go back to a business meeting. It actually recharges me in a way that I didn't think that it would. And it's so exciting. But Moss, you, you've been doing some change. What, like, give, yeah. give our audience the details. I think, I think part of what you just mentioned, that resistance is fear. I think, Deepika, am I off on this? Or <laughs> I, I feel like resistance is like a fear of changing. Yes, yes. I think fear often comes up when we're about to change and we have all these kind of desires. I've experienced it for myself, but then also like what I've seen, you know, working with clients and helping them to navigate change. The whole thing is that we have this desire in our heart and we want to move forward, right? With kind of creating this change and fear comes up because change is new, right? And in the old, we get comfortable. So it's very natural for each and every one of us to have some form of fear come up as we're going through change. Am I going to be able to do it? Am I going to be good good enough? Is this going to work out okay for me? What about if it happened? And you, and you have all this kind of mental chatter in your head. 
as you kind of go through that. And, and I think what I learned is to become friends with that fear, right? Rather than bite it or to kind of squish it or to hush it down. It's like, okay, fear, how are you today? I know you serve a purpose. You know, what is your purpose? How are you helping me? What are you trying to show me? And I think when you start to become friends with fear in that sense, and it's not just in change, just in whenever fear shows up in change, it's really, really relevant because it will also unearth a part of you or show you or point you into direction, a part of you that you're unconscious about that just needs a little bit of nurturing. Maybe it needs a little bit of a hug or a cuddle to make it feel safe before you then step in to that change. I think you both just gave me a little therapy session because I don't think I realized that my, my desire to keep them separate was my fear of losing my professional self. I knew having a baby was going to impact my life and I did not want it to impact my career. And you guys, I did not think of that until you just said that. And you're totally right. And thank you. I have to say this because this is something Topeka tells me all the time that your professional self and like your mommy self, it's still the same person. So you have to integrate it. Right, Topeka? I'm getting so good at this. (laughs) She's getting really good at this. Yes. You have moss in training. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're all helping each other along on our journey, on this journey called life. And I love that because if you, uh, let's bring it back to tech and everything like that, because you know, my whole career has been integrating different technologies and uh, having everything on one platform. Yet in ourselves, we've kind of grown up in this way where we kind of split ourselves out and compartmentalize ourselves, right? So then we're kind of in conflict with ourselves, right? So the other thing about change is when you're kind of going through change, you have to bring all of you together. Otherwise, you leave a part behind another part over here and another part over there, which then makes change really difficult because you've got different aspects of yourself sitting in different pockets, say one in the family life, one in in the work life, one with a friendship life, yet you've just met a new partner, for example, and you want to go in that direction. But then it's almost like in order to change, you do, it's like a a death and rebirth. So you kind of have to let go and let a part of you die so another part of you can live and thrive. So, which is, yeah, <laughs> it just comes through. I love that quote. And um, I, I, I posted it from um, your November Energetic Insights um, that you posted. And I got so many hearts. And I think Caitlin even messaged me being like, this is great. But I think it, it's so true. So I think that integrating yourself. And then um, I think the other thing, um, Chan, you and I talk about values a lot. How do you stay true to your values in that change? Yeah, that's a really good question. And and I will come back to say, what are your values? What are your values today? Right? Because as much as um, we go through change and honoring our values, our values also change. So we're constantly evolving as well as our values. And I think it's one of those things to kind of check in with yourself, right? And if, if you're someone that has your values written out. I'm, I'm someone that feels my values versus having them written down in words. I kind of know what they are. I kind of get a sensation in my body when I'm out of alignment with that value. 
But if you're someone that has them written out is as you go through that change, you can you can kind of you can do a mental assessment. So let's let's bring it back to the logical. So you can do a logical assessment. So here's my values. Here's what the change. Do they match? Do the other in alignment or are they in conflict with each other or out of alignment with each other? Right. And then you can ask yourself, you know, does the value need to change or do I need to adjust the change that I'm making or, or, or going through? So you've got that kind of tool within you, I think. So someone like myself, when I'm going through change, it's almost like you kind of go and then you stop, you go and then you stop and then you go and then you stop. And we often think if we're stopping, then we're failing. And I think that's the key thing about change is to kind of have that moment of the the space, basically, to take a moment to reflect where you are and how you're feeling about it. Because change is a process, right, where you are letting go right? So by letting go, you're creating space for something new to come into. And then you're also creating as well. But also part of the letting go, what we often forget about when it comes to change is that we don't give ourselves the space to grieve what we had, right? Even though we want to move. So I've, I've, I've worked with clients where they've left a career, they really wanted this new career, they really enjoyed it. Then a year later, all of a sudden they have this outburst of grief, which is then projected onto something else. But actually it was grief that they just buried because you've evolved. So when you change career, for example, not only are you changing career, you're changing your location, you're changing the people that you work with, but you're also, you're becoming another version of yourself. So it's about allowing yourself to grieve that part. So grieve the change within you, but also grieve the change that's happened outside of you as well. And that's why sometimes you see people that move career to career to career, and then they're not happy in it either. Challen, why don't you bring up what you just pinged me? Because that is a great segue into Well, as you were talking, Topeka, I was just thinking of all of the news headlines about the great resignation and how people have just decided they don't want to do jobs that they don't love or appreciate anymore. And I heard another phrase recently, not the great resignation, but the reassessment. Um, They're just reassessing their values and what that means for their careers. So I love your take on that. Like, as we've seen, people thought the workforce was going to come back, you know, in droves after, at least in the U.S., we, we stopped with the stimulus, but it hasn't happened. So I love your take on what you think that means for people setting boundaries and their, their values in their career. I think it's, I, I, I think with the pandemic, what, what it has done has helped people to go within themselves, right? And I feel that this is something that I've been on a journey over the last 10 years. So therefore I can see it and I can notice it. And it's almost like the pandemic has kind of, uh, uh, kind of boost, I put a rocket up <laughs> people's backside to boost them. So where they are out of alignment. So if you imagine, um, you're going to work, you're doing the same routine day in, day out, day in, day out. It becomes a habit, right? You don't question it because you've you've just become accustomed to that life. Then the pandemic happens and that forces us to change in ways that we've not really thought about. So it's unexpected change. So when that happens, obviously the stuff that was building within us that we hadn't had a look at because we had we were confined in our own rooms so and confined in our own houses, we had a bit more time to go within ourselves as well. And then we start questioning, you know, what is it that I want? And I think some people have done that unconsciously. They just felt, okay, this doesn't feel right to me anymore. And and what I've seen is many of us force ourselves down a career path because that's something that 
what a good child looks like, a good boy or a good girl looks like. So it's been indoctrinated into us from childhood to say, okay, to be successful, right, you need to do do good at um, school, do good at school, go to university, get, go to university, get a degree, and then get a really well-paid job, and then you're fine, then you'll be happy. And then we carry on on that treadmill, and then we realize, well, hang on, I don't really feel happy. And I feel that what, what the pandemic has done for people is got them to reassess and really reconnect back with their heart center rather than the logical program of, okay, this is what good looks like. Rather, what, what does good look like? What does good feel like? What does good feel like for me? Right? Not what does good look like for everyone who's taught me, but what does good feel like for me? I think that is such an important point because as an Indian kid, there were three professions I could be. It was doctor, lawyer, um, or engineer. I wanted to be a dancer, (laughs) but you know, that didn't fit into like this world of like, you know, making money and, and doing well. Um, and you know, I actually am happy in the career I have now. So I think it all worked out for the best. I found my niche and something I am good at within technology. But this brings up that topic of people pleasing. So sometimes like, you, you know, you need the change. You want to change, but then you're like, wait, like this is not, no one's going to accept this. And I think Topeka in your career, this really has happened because you literally for a while left change management and all that stuff behind and went off on your own. Yeah. And, and I, and I, people pleasing is gosh, I think many of us have that. Let's call it a program for lack of a better word. Let's call it a people pleasing program. And I think it's something that comes from just on reflection of my own journey, but also working with my clients and helping them to kind of navigate out through that people pleasing program. You know, if you ask the question, where does it come from? Right. And if you go all the way back to childhood, It's something that we just learn based on our interactions with our parents and stuff, because as a child, you don't want to hurt anyone else outside of you. So, for example, if if you had a parent that was crying and you saw them crying, you wouldn't know that that wasn't your fault. You'll do anything to please them. And then like if you smile or if you if you did something and you could see the reaction of an adult giving you really positive reinforcement. So then you're learning about those kind of people-pleasing qualities there, right? And then same as we go through it, and it it then kind of links into our achievements as well. Like, oh, when I come home with an A versus a D in, in grade from school, oh, my parents are really happy, but when I get a D, they're unhappy, so that might makes me a bad person. So you're kind of programmed at such a young age, and then it's sometimes then it just becomes really unconscious in a workplace, because what you're doing is your value, right, comes from outside of you rather than from within you, because that's what you've learned. In order for me to be a good person, if I do all these things that are right, it makes everyone else happy. Therefore, I'm on the right path. But on a real, real deeper level, we just all want to fit in, right? We all want to fit into wherever we're at. We don't want to be the outsider. We want to be part of someone. That's how we are built. We're, We're built to be in communities, right? So if we're doing something different and someone doesn't like it, we feel like we're outcasts and we end up people pleasing to actually fit in. But then that also takes us away from who we truly are as, as well. So when it then comes into 
into the workforce, you learn and, and it works because it helps you to kind of go up the career ladder. I mean, that's what I found like, oh, actually you learn to use your kind of empath t- in tendencies, meaning that you're able to sense what other people need from you before they ask that from you. And when you deliver that before they ask something, you get rewarded for it. So then it's positive reinforcement of that people pleasing tendencies, right? And then what happens that works for a while because one, you are learning about the career path, you are going up the ladder. And when you're in your 20s and stuff, it's all like, oh my God, goodness, this is great. I've got cash in a bank. I can do all of these things. So then there's a sense of freedom in that. But once you get to your late 20s, early 30s and more into your 30s where life starts to change and stuff and you're still playing out those people pleasing tendencies, this greater conflict that starts to happen within yourself. And you don't know what that is because you can sense, okay, oh, I want to go up to, you know, senior manager, director, partner level, or hear all the things that I need to do. Actually, then you get this calling that's kind of pulling you to yourself. So then you're in conflict and then you're choosing um, your other people or career over yourself. So this, this is quite big right now on what I've seen in terms of female mostly because men seem to balance that a little bit better and um, but with females that are designed to have uh children or to have a partnership but then they're also very um the top of their career as well it kind of finds it's a really difficult balance but it's also unearthing and unpicking that people pleasing tendencies recognizing actually i am people pleasing okay why why am i people pleasing what do i get out of it what is the reinforcement and um it's also about decoupling your self-worth and bringing your self-worth back into yourself. Um, and also with that is because you also find yourself in conflict with yourself. So then everything gets projected outwards, but it's actually coming back in and bringing in. So where am I in conflict with myself? Right? Where am I dishonoring myself? Where am I not aligning to myself? What am I not listening to within myself as well? So, Yeah. I feel like this brings back um, brings us back to our topic of change, because to actively make the decision to look within ourselves and to stop people pleasing, that's a change. It's a new way of measuring yourself that you're not familiar with. And I, I feel like a lot of people who are type A, who worked really, really hard to, you know, climb the ladder, that can be really scary, which brings us back to fear. <laughs> so we're, we're afraid of change. And <laughs> what are some tips that you have for people who have come to the realization that they're at a point where, you know, just checking the box with all these people pleasing practices won't work. um, And it's time to look within. Do you have any tips for them on how to do that? Yes, I think the first is, is to make the decision, right? To make the decision that I'm, I'm willing to give myself a go to give this change a go. And that is okay, right? What I'm finding is that people want to have that change, but they haven't made that self commitment to themselves. So what happens, they end up backtracking, they come into something that is difficult, and then they backtrack and fall back into the old patterns, because it's comfortable, right? And the fear is more about kind of going into something that is new and is unknown, right? So you're trying to train a brand new muscle that has been inactive for a very, very long time in that. So one is to make the commitment to yourself, right? Two is to listen to what's going on inside of your body. Listen to what your 
body's trying to tell you. So if the body is tightening up, right? It's probably trying to stop you or, you know, stop you or protect you in some sort of way. So listen to what your body is saying, right? And also sometimes you just need to take a break. So maybe before you make that change is just to kind of take a month off from work to say, look, I need to just some time for myself to reflect because I also feel that Sometimes we want that change and we get caught up in this cycle of, I need to leave my job, but I can't leave my job because I'm afraid if I leave my job, I won't find anything else. And if I don't find anything else, I have a mortgage. And and we're in this kind of cycle of that. So first thing is to make that commitment to yourself that you've got to have that desire more than anything else. And I look back at my, even me, when I left uh, Accenture, it really came from a place of there's got to be something else. And I was so willing to try everything and anything. So I didn't leave in that instant. I left probably six months later and I made it work. I I left on a positive note um, after I burnt out. But there was this real desire within me that I was willing to just conquer what I didn't know what I was conquering. Right. And that takes courage. That really, really takes courage. And I want to remind everyone who's listening to that, you have that courage within you. You've just got to give yourself that permission to take the next first step. You don't need to know all the steps. You don't need to have the end goal mapped out. You don't need to have a project plan in place. You just need to take that next step. And the first step is to commit to yourself and then just try the next step. And this is where it can be quite unnerving for people because you're, you're walking on a path that is very uh, unusual because it's very playful in some ways. It's very, you're, you're exploring versus um, managing or planning in, in that sense. So I think it's, it's allowing that and, and get support, right? You don't have to go through the change by yourself. You can work with a therapist, you can work with a coach, someone that can help you that has done it before. So you can, so you're, committed to it as well. And just know that each and every single day, you change, you evolve, you're really simply put, your fingernails are growing, your hair's growing, you don't have the same hair on your head today that you did a year ago, right? So if you remember that you are naturally evolving, so you are actually built for change, we just forget that we are actually built for change. I love that so much that we're built for change. And I love what you said about courage because you don't often associate the word courage and the feminine aspect as much. Um, When you think of courage, you think of like warriors, gladiators, that kind of thing. So I love that you're bringing that into daily life because I wouldn't have thought of like overcoming that fear as, as courage, but you're totally right. I think for me, one of the biggest issues I have with change is I worry about the outcomes and I worry about like the expectations, <laughs> all of that surrounding. And honestly, it makes me my own worst enemy when I think about that kind of stuff. So like, I sometimes won't try something cause I'll be scared. Then I'll be like, well, then if I do it, this could happen. And if I don't do it, then that would happen. And I think about everything. So what do you have for that? <laughs> I love this. Oh my goodness. That so used to be me and still can be me as well. So even if you have done change throughout your life, you can still have that. And I think the first thing is really recognize that, that I need a specific outcome. 
and then recognize when your brain kind of works out, okay, so if I do this, will this, this, and this happen? Or will this, this, and this happen? Or will this, this, and this happen? And this, this, and this happen? And I think we can get so caught up in that, that we waste a lot of time and a lot of energy in that. So the first step with that is to recognize, oh, I'm doing that, right? Second step is to recognize when you beat yourself up for recognizing that you're doing that because then your energy will get caught up in that. Oh, I'm doing that and I shouldn't be doing that. So you need to just recognize that you're beating yourself up in that. And that's where you bring in kindness and compassion to yourself, right? Because you've got to be your own support team when it comes to that, right? And, and that's why it's doing the little steps, right? Because everything gets step by step by step by step. And oftentimes is the, we get anxiety, it's a projection of the future because it's coming back to our need to control. And when we are needing to control is when we don't feel safe. So then that's the deeper work that we, we need to go into. So what do I need to do in order to feel safe to create that? So that's often the, one of the biggest conflicts that arises when we want to change right? And then we're mapping out all the possible scenarios. And then we just end up not changing, getting frustrated with ourselves for not changing, yet we want to change it. We had the opportunity to change it. We didn't take it. Then we get mad at ourselves. Instead of getting mad at ourselves, bring in compassion and kindness and then start to work in deeper. What is the need? Why do I need to control the outcome? Right? Because this is now, you're, now we're going a little bit further more on, on a spiritual thing. It's like, you know, if when you trust and you surrender, things can come up for you that you could not even possibly imagine. So we're so in the controlling phase and it's okay. It's okay. Cause that's all, you know, I've been there and sometimes I still do that, but I'll, I'll there's something that I, I, I'm not going to give you the specifics, but something just even a couple of days ago, Amosami knows about this where, um, oh, I'll, I'll share it. Basically, um, I was having trouble with my with my neighbors, right, with the noise and everything like that. So I've decided to move. And then I found myself trying to control, okay, right, I need to put a schedule in place. So when they want to play the musical instruments, we have a schedule, they do this, they do that, that. And that's still very controlling because I'm trying to manage my so-called nervous system because it's really agitating me and I'm trying to control and manage them. And then as I was getting my living room ready to kind of welcome them in to have this conversation about how, how, how best can we go forward with this and live together, bear in mind, I live in a very old Victorian townhouse in, in London, so noise travels and, and they're just split up into different flats, so there's not much soundproofing at all. And I just set the intention, I just say, hey, can I have the best possible outcome for all of us? So rather than me trying to control what I want to get out from those guys or what's going to give me the greatest peace, I let go. And it was an outcome that I did not even expect, which was the fact that the neighbor has decided to move out because he wants a bit more freedom to play his musical instrument. Because I could feel that I was constraining him and I felt that was wrong. But at the same time, I'm working from home and I can't concentrate if you're, you're constantly playing a musical instrument, you know, almost eight hours a day. So there is a saying is that when you let go, let God in, you know, miracles kind of happen. And it sounds very, very spiritual, but I think it's, it's that aspect. And, and that's the part where it's, it's like a, a tipping point that we can all get to. It takes a little bit of practice and it's, it's almost like taking a step forward and then taking a step inwards, taking a step forwards and taking a step inwards. 
I love that. And also talk about pandemic problems when people are working from home and like real life, you have a a musician living near you. Um, So I'm glad that you had a resolution. Um, But I think what you said, I, I have a girlfriend who is in the middle of trying to make a career change and I have been in her shoes before. I know exactly where she's at and I'm going to share this podcast with her, but I think what you said resonates with me in that sometimes once you've made the decision and committed to the decision, it's almost like you're putting it into the universe, like that you're open to more new creative opportunities. Whereas when you are stuck in this kind of purgatory where you're really unhappy, but you haven't made the commitment or you just haven't been pushed far enough to make the commitment. And you're just kind of stuck. But as soon as you decide, it's almost like the world opens up to you and people that you didn't even know in your network come to you with ideas and you just, it kind of shakes things loose a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've seen it time and time again. And, and that's why I say it is that first step and that courage to take. And I find that once you do that, Things, if you keep your eyes open and your ears open, things will come in. And I think it also goes back to, you know, the point, I don't know if we've discussed this before, but uh, allowing ourselves to receive help from people, right? And I think we're not always, we don't have to do everything ourselves. There's always someone there that is going to lend us a helping hand because you might end up having a coffee with somebody. And then that person basically says, oh, actually, I have a role. Why don't you, I've got a contact that's looking for someone. Let me put you in touch. So those opportunities just start opening up. And I think we, and I, and I can see it from a number of people that I know that tend to sit on just kind of on, they're completely burnt out, but they haven't crashed. So they're just simmering along the surface. And you can see that their body's telling them like, you know, the body starts hurting or they start tripping over themselves or they end up in a work situation where they become a victim or something. So they have all the signs. And I had the same thing before I burnt out. Um, all these signs come up, yet we don't listen to them, right? So then that that's a, it's a slightly different um, angle, but then that comes back to the value system as well. What is your value system? What do you value? Do you value something outside of yourself? Do you value work or do you value yourself and how you feel about yourself? I feel like this entire thing has been a therapy session <laughs> and we all need to pay you now. <laughs> But um, I just, I love this topic because I feel like it, it affects all aspects of our life. And I think um, all of us are A-type personalities on this call. <laughs> and I know a lot of our listeners are as well. And, um, you know, you segment yourself. You're like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do this. And then, but I, lately I've just been trying so hard to go with the flow. And then I freak out that I'm not going with the flow. And then I'm just like, oh no. So like, then I plan to go with the flow and you can't plan to go with the flow. <laughs> so, so it's one of those things, like it's, it's, a, it's a learning thing. And what I've recently learned and I've been reading, um, I think I shared this with you, uh, Deepika. I've been reading The Untethered Soul. And um, what I loved about some of the things he has said in the book, and we'll link it in our blog, is that he talks about quietening the voices in your head. And I've learned, like, I have a major problem with the voices in my head. Like, it's always like making up additional narratives that aren't true, or I'm projecting um, onto people or onto the situation, my 
thoughts of what it is when they're not thinking that way at all. And I had a friend once, you know, tell me it's not always about you. And while in the moment I was like angry, um, it then I was like, wait, you're right. Like I'm just projecting all of this. And I think that can be said with the change too. So one thing I've learned to go back to the book is there's so many things you can do to quiet those voices. Um, one of them is like just going out for a walk and taking that time to slow down. Um, music for me, I've, I've re, um, like refound my love for music. And like the other day I was like dancing around my apartment. And of course, in that, those times, like I'm not thinking again. So I think it's... Um, I feel like, you know, we often think we need to have a plan for everything, but you're right. Sometimes just making the decision, letting things happen is so important. Yeah, I really love that. And I think what you touched upon there with the voices in your in our heads, I think it's just to become aware of them. And and we all and if you think about the narratives and programs, again, it's to have compassion and kindness to that, because at one point they served a purpose. So if you are someone that has a lot of chatter in your head, sometimes just writing that chatter down, sometimes just writing your thought process down. So if something happened in work, what do you then say to yourself? What do you then think to yourself? What do you then say out aloud? And if you do it as a a flow diagram, right, and then you get more clarity of how your thinking goes. And then just if you keep writing down that, what, what you're then doing is allowing yourself to reflect back on, okay, oh, this is, this is my thought pattern. So the first step is awareness because you can't change anything unless you have the awareness of something, you know, and then it's the decision that you want to change, right? And then once you make that decision to change, what happens is that fear will come up then that part of you that beats yourself up, that recognize, oh, I'm doing something bad. I want to change, but I'm doing the same thing over and over again, right? So the more you punish yourself for something, right, you kind of deflate yourself as well, right? So you lose the energy and you don't have the motivation to change and you can't start. I've heard it in, even myself and even with my clients. Oh, I've tried so many times to change this and it's not working no matter what I do or how I do it. So you kind of just given up and you've given up on yourself, right? And I would say flip that instead of beating yourself up or putting yourself down, go in with curiosity. Oh, I've tried this and tried this and tried that and that hasn't worked. I wonder what will work. I don't know what would work, but I'd be happy to be guided or to be shown a way. Ah, I wonder if I try that, what would happen? I wonder if I tried that, what would happen? It's basically going in with a creative mind, a childlike mind, and just go, I wonder what would happen. Oh, I wonder if I press that button. And when we, when we allow ourselves to do that, that then opens up a whole new world because we're trying to, trying to change based on what we know. We don't know what we don't know, right? And that change and where we want to go does actually sit in the unknown. So it's so crazy how we humans think, okay, I want to change, right? Here's how I'm going to do it based on what I know. And then we get really frustrated with ourselves when it doesn't happen. Well, actually, yes, I want to change. I may not have the tools to change. So let me go and explore and let's build up that muscles that will help me to build that new change. So it's, 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 it's not just about the change. But sometimes you have to build up the muscle and muscle meaning the mindset, the emotional resilience and that kind of 
it's almost like self-forgiveness and self-awareness and self-acceptance and love and kindness. So those are the muscles that you're training up as you go through the change, which then allows you to make the change. Well, I feel like that this whole conversation has been inspirational, but I think that point is a great one to end our course session on because you're totally right. It is just flexing those muscles that you're not comfortable using, which are the ones that are kinder to yourself usually. Um, so thank you, Topeka, for walking us through this and as usual, giving us really great things to think about. Um, Caitlin, do you want to take us into the inspiration section? Absolutely. And of course, one of the top inspiration points we're going to say is anumi.com. Um, some of the uh, meditations on there are the guided meditations on there are really great resources from Topeka. Um, about honoring your truth and being who you came here to be and being really true to yourself. So definitely take uh, take a look at those. I'll also link to a resource that I use pretty regularly. It's the Ink and Volt Planner, which has really great guided journal prompts on a weekly and monthly basis and a framework for you to use for setting setting intentions and thinking about your values on a yearly basis. Um, I'm really bad at pausing and stopping to think about what, why I'm doing the things that I'm doing or what the, the larger um, values are that my actions roll up to. So every time that I flip the page to start writing down what I'm doing for the week, you do have to flip past a journal prompt and um, kind of a self-evaluation of why, what, what you're prioritizing and why. Um, so that's been a really great reminder for me this year to slow down and think things through instead of just rushing rushing towards what I think is the most important or the, the right thing to do. And then I, I also want to throw back to the first two blogs that we posted at the beginning of this overworked journey on our website. Um, the first one is setting a personal, personal mission statement with Talon, which is a really great two-sentence way to evaluate if you're aligned with your values and kind of setting a, an intention for the year. And then setting intentions uh, instead of resolutions, which Moss published at the beginning of 2021. Um, and that has five steps to establish intentions and is a great way to evaluate if you are going to be making changes in the new year and reprioritizing those intentions and those values. So definitely check those out as well. Thank you, Dipika, so much for your time. Uh, Jill, do you want to take us out? Thank you to Pika for your time and for our mini therapy session this morning. To our listeners at home, if you'd like to share any comments, questions, thoughts, or feedback, you can follow and tag us on Instagram or Facebook at We Are Overworked or at Overworked, a podcast on LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to get notified when we release our newest episodes. Thanks for listening.